welcome to the Good Grief Podcast, where we make the uncomfortable comfortable. Welcome back to the Good Grief Podcast. This is Brittany, your host, and today we have Amber Smith with us. Hey there. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good. And I'm so glad we finally, I was finally able to get you on here and get this done because <laughs> this whole week has been crazy. So I'm, I'm very grateful for both of us <laughs> with babies yeah. and everything. So thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And yeah, because your little guy, I think, is around the same age as Cohen. How old is he? He's about five and a half months. Yep. And Cohen, he's going to be five months on the 15th. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I guess just to start, my name is Amber Smith. I am married to um, a musician, singer, songwriter. His name is Granger. He uh, He's a touring musician, and we have three, four, four beautiful children. Three are here on earth, and one is in heaven. And um, we've been married. Actually, today is our anniversary. We've been married 12 years. And oh, happy thir- anniversary. <laughs> thank you. 13 years together. And everything in our lives, you know, up and up leading up to our tragedy, we've really felt like everything in our lives was, was really good. We had a good marriage. We had really happy, healthy kids. We, we, we thought we found our dream home. Grant, my husband's career was really busy. Um, he was playing lots of arenas and stadiums and we were just happy. And, uh, the night of June 4th in 2019, uh, we had just finished dinner and our littlest river wanted to go outside and my husband was outside with my daughter and they were doing gymnastics and playing. And so river wanted to go outside with his other brother, Lincoln, and they were playing with water guns. And I was in the back of the house taking a shower and, um, <sighs> I had heard my daughter scream. I had gotten out of the shower and just sat down on the bed and we had our back doors open and I heard my daughter scream and I heard river and then I heard the word pool and my heart just sank. And I, first I I was started to run and I was thinking how in the world would he have gotten into a locked gate? Like we have a a gated lock and I was thinking everyone was outside. How did nobody see anything? And so I thought he must still be in the water. I'm going to grab him and and pull him out and he's going to be just fine. But by the time I got out there, my husband was already inside the gate doing CPR on him. So we took turns doing CPR. Um, The ambulance came. They ended up getting his heartbeat back. So we thought, we thought we dodged a bullet. We thought, oh my gosh, this is, he's going to be fine. It was just a scare. He's going to be fine. And um, we ended up staying three days in the hospital. And we know so much more now about drowning and, and oxygen and, and your brain and brain injuries. And we didn't know this then, but you know, Anytime after four minutes of, of no oxygen, you, it's, it's probably going to be fatal. I mean, if not, you're going to have lifelong disabilities. And so the doctor came in and we prayed really hard and he came in and said, I'm so sorry. There is zero chance of brain recovery. And we just thought, how on earth could your son go from happy and playing to zero chance of ever seeing him alive again? And so we spent the we got a couple of other extra opinions. We had two other neurology teams come in and assess him and, and they, they all came back saying the same thing. Zero percent. We're so sorry. You need to, it's, you need to figure out the time to turn the machines off. And so again, just staying in the hospital and just praying. And, and I felt the Lord leading me to donate rivers organs. Um, 
just because I felt that if we couldn't take our son home, I wanted somebody else to be able to take their baby home. So we oh, waited Mama, for the. I am so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I I knew your story, but I didn't know. I guess the full depth of it. Yeah. And my heart is just absolutely broken for you. Thank you. So um, we made the decision to to donate his organs, and so because his heart was still beating, um, we had to say goodbye to him with his heart still beating to go into the surgery for the organ um, uh, retrieval and transplants. And so the last time I saw my son, his heart was still beating and we rolled him down the hallway and then they closed the door. And that was the last time I, I got to see him. So we buried him a week, a week later and we've just been walking this grief journey ever since. That's a beautiful thing that you guys were able to donate his organs. Um, with Cam, we, when we were, we had the choice, we had to take him off life support also. And we wanted to donate anything like we could, but he was so small. And because of the disease that he had, he had a liver disease. It had affected most of his organs. Yeah. And so I know how that is to like, I, I wanted to do that. And it's a beautiful thing that you did that. Thank you. I know we wanted to donate more than we could. It's like you said, but there's certain things that are too small or certain things yeah. like because River was still having seizure activity in his brain, they they couldn't uh, use his heart, which seems, you know, seems crazy. But I just I wish somebody would have got his, his heart. You know, he had such a good yeah. little heart and everything was perfect in his little body except for his brain. He was such a beautiful little boy, too. Thank <laughs> he you. He really, truly was. Thank and you. your little one looks a lot like him too. Yeah, he does. Um, and so how what when was that? Was that in it was 2019? Yeah, two, 2019 in June in the summer. Okay. And then um did you guys right after know you guys wanted to have another baby or did you guys did it take you a while to kind of come to that conclusion? No, um I was uh, we were done. I I had um my tubes tied after river and we, we, we thought our family was complete. And I guess a couple weeks or a month or so after my husband came to me and he said, do you think you would ever want to have another baby? And I think he, I think he want I think he said that just because if I was thinking it, he wanted, he wanted me to know that, I, that he was okay if we yeah. wanted to have another baby, but, but you kind of were on the same page. Yeah. But I said, gotcha. absolutely. I said, absolutely not. I said, no, no way. Could I ever have another baby? Like river was our caboose. He was our last baby. And I, I was just so in my grief. I felt like it was almost like a betrayal to river. Like, how could yeah. you even think about another baby? And so I we had took those a, same feelings. It, like yeah. I, it took me a long time to even like think the thought. I was like, no, there's no chance. <laughs> no, no way. And so we prayed about it um, a long, long time, about eight, eight months or so. And, and then I, I kind of, you know, through my healing and, and through, through, a lot of praying, you know, we, we decided, okay, I think, well, actually my husband had an incident where he felt really the Lord strongly saying like, we need to have another baby. So, um, we talked to the doctor, we start, we began the IVF process in, uh, 2020 and then COVID hit. So we were, yeah. shut, we were shut down from everything. And, um, then I got pregnant that July and ended up having a miscarriage in August. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, but, you know, we just, after losing our son, I think 
not that my miscarriage was anything less. It was, it was awful and terrible. I just, I was just living a life such in such surrender that I was just saying, okay, God, I trust you. Like whatever, yeah. whatever comes my way, I'm going to trust you as no matter how painful it is. So yeah, we went through our, our miscarriage and we healed from that. And then we had one embryo left. Um, so we implanted that and, and now we have Maverick and it's oh. just such a beautiful blessing and a joy. And it's not, not that a baby would ever Maverick never replaces river. He's just an extra added blessing and an, and a new chapter in our story of our life. And he's just bringing so much joy to our kids and, you know, our bigger kids and, and the rest of our family. And absolutely just, that, yeah. that healing that, you see through your bigger kids too. Cause I've had that same experience with Cohen and with, cause I have an 11 year old and an eight year old also. And he truly has just healed their souls. Like you can just see it. I know. Isn't it just so beautiful? Like it truly is. Oh my gosh. Also, I know that you had told me you guys have, you started some kind of like foundation, I think is what we, it was. Yeah, we did. Um, that really started, the day we left the hospital, we just, my husband and I just came together and we said, we have to bring good from this. Like we cannot, so many marriages and so many families and, you know, they break apart. Understandably, it's just grief is a lot and it's hard and it's hard work and people grieve differently, but we just made a commitment and said, we're going to stay together. We're going to bring, bring joy from this because river was such a joy. And so we started something called the river Kelly fund and just started raising money. And my brother-in-laws, they created a t-shirt. That was the first thing we raised money for. And we ended up donating all that money that we raised back to Dell Children's because they were just so incredible in their care. And our doctors and our nurses and another hospital here in Georgetown, Seton, they were incredible. And so we just have really have a, a soft place in our heart for those doctors and nurses because what they have to see and, and do every day, day in and day out, and, and just see the pain that families have to go through. And, and they get attached to those kids too. Oh, absolutely. And when we actually even keep in contact with some of our doctors and nurses still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. They just deserve all the credit in the world because, and, and they don't get absolutely. enough, you know? No, they yeah. don't. <laughs> so we started that and it's, it's been, gosh, almost three years now. And we just, we set it up to be able to give to any area of need. So we've donated to children's hospitals. We've donated to veterans. We've donated to like citizens with disabilities, to cancer research, to um, saving animals. I mean, it's just, I'm just so joyful that it gives me purpose to give to wherever there's a need. I mean, we also have yeah, donated. that's absolutely uh, amazing. <laughs> thank you. Uh, a lot to swim scholarships. We donate, you know, so and that's why we're big on drowning prevention and water safety because that was kind of our story, but it just helps me to, to find purpose through pain and keep his little Absolutely. memory alive. That's, that's basically why I started this podcast is and why, you're okay. <laughs> why I, why I have shared the grief, my grief, the way I have is because I, I felt as if Cam gave me that purpose. Like, I needed to help people feel as if they weren't alone because I yes. feel like not a lot of people talk about their grief or how hard it truly is to lose a child. No, it's a very lonely road in the beginning. I feel like. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, and you need other people like you crave community of, I need to, I need someone to know what I'm going through. Absolutely. 
and you want that. It's not, see, and that's where I kind of had trouble is you want to find that community and that support, but it's so heartbreaking to find other people who feel that pain that you have felt. I know. I, it's It breaks my heart every time I hear or see of another family going through the same pain. And But that's what we're here to do is just help lift each other up and just show them that we can make it through this. And, and, you know, you're doing such a good thing by starting this podcast because people need to talk about it and people need to hear and they need to see all the, all the different stages and, and moments of grief and that it's not linear and every emotion you feel is okay. Absolutely. And, and one thing that like with your story, that there is beautiful things that come out of absolutely horrible tragedies and we can bring a purpose to it and we can keep our baby's memories alive and do something good out of it. And that's, I think what really just pushes me to just do more. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise what, what was their life for? What was the tragedy for? If if we're just going to stay stuck and not be able to move forward and, and, and bring good from it and bring joy from it and, and show that you can make it through anything that this broken world throws your way. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's amazing the things that we can get through. Really, it is. <laughs> I know. Humans are are very resilient for things that we can make it through. Oh, yeah. and Because even like pregnancy after loss was a whole nother crazy journey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, my gosh. And I think I was okay being pregnant. It was right after I had Maverick. I was just hit with this grief and joy coexisting. I mean, I would, I would literally just be rocking him, crying, just sobbing, being so sad about river, but so happy that I have so joyful that I have Maverick. So it was really hard, the emotions of it all. Oh yeah. I remember feeling almost the exact same way. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and we never got to bring Cam home. So I had a lot of emotions, like almost it wasn't fair kind of thing. Right. Like, oh, I get to bring Cohen home, but like, I never, got to bring cam home so that part right there just tore me apart in the beginning oh i know i'm so sorry thank you you have a swim program that you guys do or do you just like share a lot about like the swimming and things like that yeah so we don't have any we don't have anything under like our own foundation or anything that we do we just we've connected to so many moms and parents and water safety um people across the country. And so I share their stuff. We were, I'm working with the the National Drowning Prevention Alliance currently about puddle jumpers and water safety. And I had another mom reach out, Nicole Hughes, who lost her son. Um, So she's really been on a mission to get water safety pamphlets and things out in pediatrician's office and, and just getting education out and, and joining together and so um, just, I guess easily to answer your question, no, we don't have anything personally, but I just join with lots of other foundations and just share and okay. just try so to do the best we can. If anybody had questions, though, they could go to your like Instagram page and they could kind of get some resources from there so I could send anybody your way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Okay, awesome. And I do have a question. I'm kind of curious about this. Like what age can they start like? teaching them swim lessons and things? So uh, infant swim rescue or ISR is they can start as early as eight months, which I'm going to, I'm going to do it with Maverick. uh, I think end of April. And I'm, I'm really scared because of what we, what we've gone through, but it's something that is such a gift. And I I had no idea about it when my kids were little, you, I just thought, Oh, I'll just give them swim lessons when they're three. 
it'll be yeah. fine. But it's like they need they need to learn how to rescue before that age because 80% of drownings happen when children are not even supposed to be near the water. You know, people think yeah. kids drown while they're swimming and they do. But 80% of that is when, a, you know, a little boy or girl just slips away for 20 seconds when they're sitting on the couch one minute and then they're not. So they need to know if they get in water, how to roll over and and breathe and float and get to the side. And they can teach them um, as early as eight months. And I just think that's incredible. That is incredible. I actually, I think I'm going to look into that for Colin because that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I had no clue about any of this. I think I started following one girl on uh, Instagram who had put her baby in the, what is it called? ISSR? ISSR, uh-huh. And then, um, so I was really interested. And then when I was looking at your story and your page and things, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I really need to look more into this. <laughs> yeah. And it, it does, it's, you know, it's, it gets a bad rap because there was a couple of videos that showed like an instructor just throwing a baby in the pool. And that's not how it is. It's very, very safe. And there's very trained people that teach your baby how to roll over and float. And, and some people think that they can have you know, um, PTSD from it or very traumatic experiences. And every mother that I have talked to has, has said that there has been no, no effect of PTSD. Like their kids can self-rescue their kids can swim now by two years old. And it's amazing. And, you know, it gets a bad rap because the kid, the babies will cry sometimes, but I keep saying we have babies cry when you put them in car seats, they cry when they can't have a cookie. They cry whenever you have to put them to bed. You know, we have to keep them safe though. So exactly. Sometimes they're going to cry. But it's yep. a, li- a cry. I'd rather hear a cry than nothing at all. I'd rather Absolutely. hear a cry than and see my child not breathing. Absolutely. It's the, the safety comes first. And yes. period. <laughs> yes. If anybody would like to, to, to check out our story or um, we have the riverkellyfund.org. Um, you can go there. We also created a children's book um, after something that my son said. Strangely, I, I feel like River just packed everything into those three years. It was almost like he knew his time was short. And one day, a couple of like maybe a couple months before he passed, he said he was going to see a big, nice T-Rex in heaven. And so I created a children. My my friend wrote a poem and we created a children's book based on that. And it's just a hopeful book about a little boy thinking he's going to see T-Rex in heaven. And all the proceeds of that go towards the River Kelly Fund. Oh, that's amazing. We actually have the book. We love it. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) My poor husband cannot get through it ever. He tries, but he can't do it. So, (laughs) but (laughs) my boys really enjoy it. And it is a very beautiful book. (laughs) Thank you so much. But thank you so much. I'm so happy I was able to get you on here and for us, for you to be able to tell your story. Um, There was one question. If there was somebody going through some similar to what you went through, what is the best advice that you can give them? Honestly, my healing has only come from belief and trust in our Lord. And, and I don't know everybody's faith background. I don't know what you believe or don't believe, but the things of this world are, are not going to give you peace and rest. And only knowing that our God is sovereign. And for some reason, you know, we're, we live in a fallen world, bad things happen, but that he can bring beauty from ashes and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And we will see our loved ones again just to hold true to that and keep moving forward one breath at a time. Absolutely. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much. I absolutely enjoyed this. And then um, I, your, what was your, what's your Instagram? So I can make sure that I link it. Yeah. It's at Amber Emily Smith. 
Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Brittany. Hello? Hello. Oh, it is working. Like, the music was so quiet, and I'm like, she's going to get on, and I'm not going to be able to hear her, and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Panic. <laughs> okay, cool. How are you? Good. Well, it's nice to finally meet you. I know. <laughs> like, voice, voice to voice. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so basically, I'll just kind of have you, how you wrote out your story, kind of tell, like, the similar story. Um and then if there's anything like you want to take out or you mess up or anything, just let me know and I can cut it out, edit it, whatever you need. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so, I mean, so are you going to like ask me stuff or am I just basically telling what I wrote you? Okay. So I, I will like ask you questions and throughout like you just kind of telling your story. Okay. And, like, you don't have to tell, like, exactly like that. I, we usually go probably for about, like, 45 minutes. But I'll ask you questions here and there and things like that. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pull it up. So I can I was, like, a real lot that I ended up sending you and I didn't even realize I was going <laughs> to do that much. It's totally okay. Um, sorry, I'm trying to find my email I sent you. Here it is. <laughs> you got it. Okay, so I guess we'll start at the beginning then. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. All right, so I'm just going to kind of like introduce you and then we can start from there. Okay. Okay, well, welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. Uh, everyone, this is Kristen, and she's going to kind of tell us a little bit about herself. So whenever you're ready, you can start Okay, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm so excited that, <laughs> that you were finally able to get on here. I know, me too. I've never done a podcast before, so this is this is Oh, exciting. that's exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm Kristen. Um, I'm 33, almost 34 actually. Um, I have three kids. I've got two boys and a girl. Um, Braden's 10. Brody's nine, Berkeley is five, and um, I am married. My husband's name is Donnie. We met in college at Western Oregon University, so we're in the Pacific Northwest. Um, one of my really good friends and my roommate in college introduced us, and um, I have been on a YouTube for about eight years now. Yeah. that's very incredible when I was reading when you sent me your story I was like oh wow eight years that's a long time <laughs> like, that's I awesome. know <laughs> it's it's hard to or not hard but it's like weird to think about it being that long now because it doesn't feel like it's been that long but yeah, you've been in the YouTube world for quite a long time <laughs> yeah 2013 I, it seems like yesterday but also it's like holy shit that's kind of a long time <laughs> that is, yeah that's crazy um what did you go to college for well, um, I changed my major quite a few different times because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I ended up at the end, I ended up, my major was, um, business and, uh, God, what was the, what's it called? Not like your major, but your focus. Your minor was in, yeah. Yeah. My yeah. focus <laughs> was like entrepreneurship, which 
back then I had no idea what I was going to end up doing, you know, as an adult. And now it's funny that that's what I ended up doing. I actually didn't, I didn't finish school because surprise got pregnant (laughs) and had a baby. Um, So I didn't end up getting my degree. I mean, I, I think I have like three classes left and I could get it, but maybe one day I will, who knows? But yeah, it was business and entrepreneurship. Oh, cool. Cause that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say like, how come you switched from your major to doing YouTube? But that makes sense. Cause it kind of all goes together. Yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So that was kind of like my fallback. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so also I, aside from doing YouTube and Instagram and all of that for all these years, um, I just recently started an online boutique Uh, something that I've wanted to do for a super long time and just kept telling myself like I couldn't do it because so many other people do it and I finally stopped listening to that little voice in my head and just did it and I've been it's been a month now and it's I'm so happy I finally did that so that's going really well and it's you have the cutest stuff too so you guys need to check out her boutique what what's the name of it it's called wild bee boutique all my kids names start with a b and oh cool uh, I knew I wanted the wild in the the name of it. So that's where that came from. But yeah, that's, wild that's very cute. Thanks. Um, so other than that, I'm also newly sober. So I'm six months, just over six months sober from alcohol. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole story we'll get into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I guess... What's next? Um, I was I was born in Northern California, a little little coast town, um, Humboldt County, Eureka, California. Um, my parents got divorced when I was two, and um, before they got divorced, we lived in Arizona for a little while. Um, my dad had taken a job down there, and then we ended up moving back to Eureka. Um, so we only lived there for a little bit when I was pretty much a baby, um, but. When I was five, my mom married my stepdad. His name's Keith. So um, he was just an extra, you know, not really a stepdad, but just an extra dad to me my whole entire life. So super lucky that I got some bonus parents. Um, my dad also remarried after they got divorced and um, him and my, well, she, now my ex-stepmom had um, <laughs> a baby, my little sister. She was born when I was six and she is my best friend in the whole world oh that's and my mom and my stepdad had my brother when I was seven so I've got a brother and a sister nice um and then so you did have a a good relationship with your step parents yeah yeah I did um my stepdad was like I said just like my 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 dad obviously like I have a dad he's very very involved in my life and was always the best dad but I just had an extra best dad also and then um my dad, I had a stepmom. They divorced when my sister, I think, was like two or three. Um, but she's actually still like in my life. My kids call her grandma and all that, even though she wasn't my stepmom for very long. But she's still oh, okay. Super That's really cool. That's yeah. Cool. And then I, I have a stepmom now also. Um, my dad and her have been together for like 20 something years. So yeah. Your family I, dynamic sounds a lot like mine. I just have a lot more brothers and sisters thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, my stepmom has <laughs> kids also, so there's all sorts of 
all sorts right. of people in our family. See, normally I'm just like, I have nine brothers and sisters and I can't explain it to you because it'll take me three hours. So we're seriously, just <laughs> seriously. when there's extra parents involved, it gets a little confusing yeah, unless my... you like draw a family tree. <laughs> yeah. We just got a big, happy family and that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. So, and then your mom, Keith was your stepdad and he's married to your mom, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then do you want to kind of tell us how, like the whole story with that? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, like I was saying, I was born in California. Um, when I was 12, my stepdad, Keith, he took a job in Tennessee. And so my, my parents gave me the choice. You can either, you know, stay in California with your dad, or you can move to Tennessee with us. But I was like super involved in um, racing. We, I drove race cars from the time I was 10 until I was 17. Um, That's badass. Yeah, my, my grandpa raced um, his, from when he was a kid all the way until he physically couldn't drive a race car anymore because he got sick. Um, my mom drove race cars, my uncle, my cousins, my brother, me. So I was a third generation race car driver. And that was like my life. And so and that was like a thing that I did with my mom and my stepdad. Um, so I chose to move with them to Tennessee cause I was not going to give up racing. That was my yeah. passion. Um, and I lived with my mom and my stepdad primarily. And then like every other weekend I was at my dad's house. So since I lived with them primarily, I, ch- I chose to move to Tennessee and, um, that was amazing. We lived in Franklin and also Nolensville, Tennessee until I was 16. And then my junior year in high school, my mom and Keith wanted to move back to the West Coast to be closer to my grandparents. So I was telling you, my grandpa got, he had to have a double lung transplant and uh, oh my, my mom goodness. just, yeah, wanted to be closer, like help my grandma and just like, so then me and my brother could just have that like extra time with my grandma or my grandpa um, before he passed away. But um, so we moved to Oregon my junior year of high school, even though I was pissed at the world and I did not want to go. <laughs> Because oh yeah, I, I, you know, I was 16. I had a boyfriend, and I was on varsity cheer and softball and student council, and I just, you know, didn't want to leave. I was a teen. I was actually put in a very similar situation. It was my junior year, and I lived in Montana, and my dad had just graduated college, and we had to move to Nevada. So my senior year of high school, <sighs> I spent at a completely different high school. Yeah, yeah. That's I started. Which- my junior year of, well, yeah, I guess it was, they had already started here in Oregon when I started school, but uh, my junior year started at a new high school. Right. And of course you feel like the whole world's ending. It's just such a big deal. Yes. Yeah, it was. I was, I can still feel those feelings. I was pissed. Yeah. I remember being the same way. I was like, you're seriously going to do this to me. Yeah. Yeah. I had actually, um, some of my friends' parents like offered, like offered my parents, like she can stay here and finish high school and live with us. And like, oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, because I really did not want to go, but I'm glad I did because I ended up meeting my husband in college, and you know, have the life that we have now. So everything happens for a reason. But at the moment, as a 16 year old, I was not happy. Yes, it was devastating. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, fast forward to went to college. Um. And did cheerleading in college at Western Oregon and met my husband. And then, like I was saying earlier, surprise, we had a baby in 2011. Um, and then we got married in 2011 also when he was five months old. Um, 
and then you know how the rest of the kids came about they yep (laughs) (laughs) one after Um, the other when's his birthday in he was born in 2011 yeah his birthday is March 29th so he's gonna be 11 or yeah yeah March 29th he'll be 11 in a couple weeks yeah, because my son, he was born actually on one eleven eleven. is his birthday. Oh, really? And so he just turned 11. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a cool birthday. I know. At first, like, when he was born, the nurse told me, and I was like, really? Like, I thought she was joking. <laughs> like, oh, well, I guess it's good timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so now what? Um, I, oh, I started my YouTube channel, 2000. 13 because I wanted to document like getting pregnant and like having our third baby because it was super popular around that time to like do family vlogs and like pregnancy updates and stuff like that and I thought I watched all sorts of videos like that so I was like oh I could do that yeah I started up my YouTube channel and um yeah started doing that um December 2018 we decided we were going to sell our house and um buy a travel trailer and travel the country (laughs) when I read that I was like that is so cool like I did not know that about you (laughs) we literally we sold our house we sold everything we owned I mean all that we had what we we rented like a 10 by 10 or 10 by 12 or something storage unit so everything we owned fit in there while we were traveling um, but we ended up living in our travel trailer for six months and two and a half of those months, we traveled the U S for the whole summer. So we did 13,000 miles, um, 31 States in two and a half months. That's so cool. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. And then we came back and then found another house to buy kids went back to school, kind of went back to like normal quote, normal living, but that was the coolest thing ever traveling, yeah. and living tiny for what an experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and the kids, they had to have just absolutely loved it it was like a oh yeah trip (laughs) yeah and they I mean we went to so many different national parks and I mean all the way to DC and they we learned a lot on that trip kids yeah even though they were little they were especially our oldest he was very he's very into like history and like um you know so we went to like Mount Vernon to George Washington's mansion and all that stuff he was very into all that So cool. And that's something that he'll just remember forever and ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> they still talk about it all the time. Ber- Berkeley was only two. She actually turned three. What? No, did she turn? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I can't keep track of it. Oh, I think it was her third. She turned three when we were in New York City. I'm pretty sure that was her birthday, her third birthday. So she doesn't really remember cool it. Cool third birthday. birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then after that, I guess the big, the next big life event, um, November of 2020, my, so you guys, you've heard me talk about my stepdad now, so you know, kind of who he is, very important person in my life. Um, my, my mom and stepdad took a trip to Vegas to celebrate the end of harvest season at the winery he worked at. He worked at, uh, Willamette Valley Vineyards here in Oregon, and he, did a lot in the like the back end stuff like the the bottling and running the you know running the show making sure everything yeah right and um all of that so during harvest it's like go time like it's like the busiest time of the season and he is was gone a lot and so he just wanted to treat my mom to a nice little getaway and um you know this was kind of November 2020 so like 
holidays were questionable. Not, you know, a lot of people weren't getting together for the holidays and stuff like that. And so he had told me like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take your, or no, he didn't tell me about the trip. He told me, he's like, we're not going to come for Thanksgiving because I'm just like worried about, you know, everything that's going on. I don't think we should be getting together, but he told me that because he didn't want my mom to know that he was surprising her and taking her on this trip over Thanksgiving. And so he didn't want me to tell her or like, know that there was a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he told me a little white lie that they couldn't come to Thanksgiving. So anyways, they went to Vegas um, and they were gone for Thanksgiving. They went with some of their friends and I got pictures the whole time. They had, you know, a great trip, but um, they flew home on November 30th, and so they flew into Portland, got in the car, and they were driving home, and they were about 10 minutes from home, and um, I wish I could tell, like, the whole story, but the 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 court case is still open, so I, there's, like, a lot that I can't say, because... Okay, which is fine. Trial is happening very soon, but short story, some other person um that was also that was driving um crossed the center line and hit my mom and my stepdad head on um I I guess I can say that they were speeding but there's a whole lot of other stuff that I can't say but you could use your imagination I guess um (laughs) so they hit them head on and their friends that they were traveling with were just like a few minutes behind them because they had stopped to get a coffee so they were, you know, a couple minutes behind them on the road. And when they came up on the accident, it was, a, it was very, very bad. They uh, took a picture as they were driving by and sent it to me and just said, your mom and Keith are in a really bad accident and she's not answering her phone. And I was actually, I was right in the middle of filming a YouTube video. So I heard my phone go off and I like waited a few minutes to go check it. Cause, you know, like I was like in the zone filming. Yeah. So I went and checked it and that's what I saw. And I'm instantly panicked. Obviously, you see this picture of your parents' car like completely, completely crumbled. Um, so I, I tried to call my mom's phone, praying she would answer. Like, well, maybe she just didn't answer because it was her friend calling her. But like, if I call. Yeah. You no. Know, yeah. She sees her daughter's number. Maybe she'll answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So I called and it rang and rang and rang and rang and rang. And then finally somebody picked up, but it wasn't my mom. It was a um, EMT or paramedic. And um, she's like, is this Tanya's daughter? And I'm like, yes, what's going on? And she said, your mom is in a really bad shape and she's going to need you. And I need you to meet us at you know, she told me what hospital to meet at, like, right away, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like, I'll, I'll get in the car, I'll be, like, as soon as my husband gets home, I'll be on my way, like, 10 minutes, and then I'm like, what about my dad, and um, my stepdad, but I just, you know, yeah, she, she doesn't know, so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what about my dad, and she just said that he didn't make it, and so, I mean, literally, I, it's hard to explain, but, like, in that moment, like everything just like went black and I like couldn't I felt like I couldn't breathe I couldn't um speak like I don't it just I didn't like pass out but I just just it it almost just kind of takes the life out of you for a second I feel like when you're given news like that yeah just completely blindsided unexpected like 
Yeah. What? Um, so I, I pretty much, I just like fell on the floor. My kids are all here. I'm home alone with my kids. I'm, it's all a blur that now, but I was like, just screaming and, you know, trying to pull it together because the kids are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? They thought I was laughing because that's how like hysterical I was. I'm so sorry. (sighs) Um, and so I'm trying to explain to them the best I can, you know, like what's going on. I'm not gonna, I don't want to like lie to them and I need to be honest with them. Um, but I don't really have any information at this point. I just know there was a car accident and he's gone. Yeah. So, they, <laughs> no details yet. Yeah. No. And I don't even know like what's going on. Is my mom going to live? Like, I don't even know. Um, cause she just said your mom's in really bad shape and needs you. So I tell the kids like, you know, my, my grandpa, he, he passed away 2014 or 15. Um, and they were really little, but they know big Papa is in heaven. That's yeah. just, you know, we, they talk about him all the time. My oldest remembers him barely, but so I basically just told them like Papa Keith was in a car accident and he had to go be with big Papa in heaven. And so they're crying and I'm, it was, I mean, it's so hard to explain because it's weird to even think about now. Cause it was such like an outer body thing. Like I felt like I was like watching myself. Yeah. And not like actually in it, but, um, I went in my bathroom and then into my closet and shut the door and I called my husband, you know, cause it's like, there's one way to explain it to my kids right then and there in that moment. And then there's like, I need to call my husband and tell him. Yeah, exactly. So I called him and I'm like, I need you to come home. I mean, I obviously was not calm. Like I'm talking to you now, but, yeah. um, he's like, what's going on? Cause he could, t- you know, and I just told him. And, um, I swear he was home within three minutes and I don't even know how, because he was working, (laughs) not in town, but he was here so fast. And I just hugged him and ran out the door, got in my car to the hospital, met my mom there. She, um, I, I walked into the emergency room where she's in like behind the curtain and she just looked at me and she's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. How am I going to do this? How am I going to live without him? And she's, like, in shock and in extreme pain and just, like, so many things all at once. Like, she just had to say goodbye to her husband on the side of the road. She thinks it's her fault that she couldn't wake him up. Like, just, you know, so many things. And she has uh, internal bleeding, broken ribs, a broken face. Um, Goodness, you're poor mom. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little, I mean, I just can't imagine, like, I know how I felt, you know, losing my stepdad and then, like, taking care of my mom, but I just can't imagine, like, all of that in like that. What she had to see and do in that moment, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, what she had to see and go through, like, she wasn't just as much in that car accident as he was, you know, like, the, and it was that bad. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so she ended up having surgery um on her intestines they had to take out a portion um because there was a tear and then uh she they like left her open overnight basically to make sure that like nothing else was going to present itself so that way they didn't have to like 
cut her open again. They just like left her open. And so they, she was on a ventilator. Um, and when you're on a ventilator, they put you on like a medication to like make you sleep basically. But that medicine was making her blood pressure. Like, I don't remember if it was like making it skyrocket or like super low, but either way they had to stop the medication. So she was like fully awake Oh, goodness. And, like, woke up, like, you know, going into it, she's like, I'm going into surgery, and then I'm going to wake up, and, like, things are going to be better. She woke up with a tube down her throat and had no idea what was going on. Ugh. So she ended up being in the hospital for a week, um, and I was there. I mean, I went home every single night because the nurses – it was 2020, and the nurses were like, you don't need to stay here. Like, you can come during the during visiting hours, but you need to go home and sleep. So, um, then she came and stayed with us for a couple days after she finally got out, but she is healthy and doing well. It's been, you know, over a year now since the accident, but, um, that was a big, big thing, you know? Yeah. And, and she only had to stay for a week in the hospital. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. She, they thought that she was going to have to do like inpatient, um, like, physical therapy and like rehab because of her injuries and they were all just like blown away at how quickly and you know she was got out of there but she was amazing that's when you were saying she had to get the surgery and was left open and all that I was expecting you to say she was in there for longer than a week (laughs) yeah well I mean that's what we were expecting too and it was just like crazy wow yeah your mom's she's she's just strong ass woman (laughs) yeah and she actually had just had um gastric surgery or bariatric surgery um a few months before the accident and they said that if she hadn't had that surgery and she hadn't like lost that weight leading up to it um up to the accident that the outcome probably would have been completely different because she was so unhealthy before she had that surgery oh my goodness that gave me goosebumps like that's it was things work like that is insane that's wow your mom's meant to be here with you still for real I yeah I think so (laughs) for sure yeah like that's crazy how wow that was crazy so I guess that that situation kind of leads me to in the beginning when I was saying I'm six months sober um when my stepdad died. I had been sober for three months. Um, in August of 2020, I just felt like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people probably felt like this during the beginning of the pandemic. It was like, we're all staying home. Like alcohol sales went through the roof. Like everybody was just staying home and (laughs) drinking. (laughs) Well, in the beginning of my 2020, it was when Cam passed and we were home during that whole thing. So I definitely was, I know. Yes. <laughs> we bought quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. So I, uh, the summer of 2020, I was like, what? I am doing this. I'm doing too much here. I'm drinking every day, like every evening or, you know, summertime. We're just sitting at home, sitting outside, drinking White Claws or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I just was like, I've I've been doing too much. I need to cut back. I'm just going to take a break from drinking for a while. Um, Detox. (laughs) And 
just take a break. And so it was just about three months and I had not drank at all. And then my stepdad died. So um, that first night that I came home from the hospital, like the day of the accident, I got home from the hospital and my father-in-law was here. My mother-in-law was here. They, they both live like hours away from us. And when that happened, they immediately came to our house to be with my husband and my kids because I wasn't here, you know? Yeah. Um, so I got home and my mother-in-law's like, what can I do for you? Like, what do you need? You know? Um, and I said, I was just completely emotionally, mentally, physically (laughs) exhausted. I'm like, I need wine. I need wine. Like it's been three months, but I just, I don't give a shit at this point. I need wine. So she went and got me two bottles of my favorite wine. And that night I drank a whole one of them. Um, and then that was kind of the downhill spiral was that, that event. And that day I was, I just started drinking every single night and it was a lot, like a lot, like a bottle of wine every night. Basically I would come home from the hospital and drink and then get up at 6am and go back to the hospital with mom. So I was just using, using alcohol to mask and numb the, the pain of that whole situation and not, not wanting to deal with that grief that comes along with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which in, in turn actually ends up making it worse because then you sober up and then you have the guilt of drinking a whole bottle of anxiety and everything that comes with it yep yeah so that cycle went on for nine or ten months after the accident pretty pretty I mean I would maybe go like a day or two without drinking but it was every and it wasn't it was you know you people think alcoholic um or like drinking problem they think like brown bag bottle greasy yeah homeless person yeah And, um, that's just not the case. There's so many people, like ever since I started sharing about my sobriety, there's so many people, you know, that look like you and me or any, your next door neighbor. Like you just never know because yeah, you would never imagine that they go through that or have that addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like I was drinking vodka all day long. Like I would put my kids to bed and then I would open a bottle of wine and that's, or, you know five white claws or whatever it was I always say that like addiction or like drinking things like that it it that doesn't have like a preference no (laughs) it can literally be anybody no literally anybody yep um so yeah that's pretty much like nine or ten months it was just it just became a habit like that's just what I did to unwind and that's what how what I had it in my brain as is like oh this has been it's been a hard day so I need a drink or I'm stressed out so I need a drink and you know that's just what I did so I I, I don't know after I knew that I had an issue with it because I had tried to get sober before and yeah. um so Labor Day weekend 2021 so just this past summer we went on a camping trip with my mom over to um Central Oregon because the previous Labor Day weekend, we had gone to that same exact spot and gone camping with my mom and my stepdad. So it was like, you know, the year anniversary since our last camping trip and mom really wanted to go to the same spot. So we did that. Okay. And um, there was a lot of like wildfires in Northern California at the time. And so all the smoke was kind of traveling up here. And in that area, it was so smoky that it was just unenjoyable 
and not safe and healthy to be camping. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, we decided to pack up a day early and come home. And so while we were packing up camp, I had actually, I had just worked with a brand. Um, uh, I don't even know if I can say it or if they like want to be tied to me telling a story like this, but <laughs> but like these cups, these insulated cups are real fancy and cute. I had a really big one and I had, I had just filmed for this brand. And so I had this big, cute cup and I made a mixed drink in it while we were packing up camp. I'm like, well, we're leaving early. Like I'm going to make it fun. So yeah. <laughs> I was, had that drink and then we were all packed up and getting ready to tow the trailer home. And I'm like, I'm going to make one for the road. I'm not driving. I'm just going to make one for the two hour drive home. So I made another one and then we got home and we started unpacking the trailer at the house and cleaning it out and everything. That's a whole project after, after you oh, yeah. thing. <laughs> so I'm cleaning it out and opened up the cooler and cracked open a beer while we're cleaning and then Donnie leaves to go take the trailer back to our storage where we where we keep our trailer um and I had another and while I was drinking that one I was like what the hell am I doing like this is not me like this is not what is the purpose what was the reason you know like yeah (laughs) why am I doing this to myself what is the point and it just I don't know it just hit me like I hadn't really thought about it before that and Maybe every once in a while, like, oh, I, tr- I should cut back and not drink so much. But it was like in that moment, I was just like, what the hell am I doing? So I had one more beer. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. Like that's, that's a lot of drinking in one day. But <laughs> that's where I was at. So yeah. And on that day, like no particular reason, just for shits and giggles, I guess. Like I just, that's just what I was doing. Yeah. It, it's almost like I've, I've been in that position and where you're like, oh, well, I'm cleaning, might as well make it better. So let's do mm-hmm. this or like just everyday tasks. You almost feel like you have to open a drink just to make it not so everyday. Like if that makes yeah. sense, like a, yeah. <laughs> a mundane it, task, you're like, well, why not? And then yeah, it almost it, becomes like, oh shit, I should probably not do this. Exactly. And it, I hadn't been doing it like that before that. Um, like I said, it was just like a put the kids to bed and have some drinks. But that particular day, I was just like, what the hell am I doing? And so when I had that last beer, I was like, I've been sober before. There's no reason I cannot do it forever. Like, I clearly have a problem. This is not normal. And if I keep doing this, I'm going to it's going to kill me one day. So the next day I started reading again because when I was sober the first time I did a lot of reading um a couple books that just really stuck with me and so I picked up picked up the one the one it's called alcohol is shit and I started reading that one again and it just it it hit so different that second time around reading it um and yeah that was six months ago and I haven't had a drink since and I I'm, I don't ever want to again. It's just like a totally different mindset this time versus the first time I was like, oh, I just need to, I need to cut back a little bit. Like we just need to yeah. take, take a little break, but one day I'll be able to like ease into it again. That was kind of my mindset the first mm-hmm. time. This time it's like, no, I can't do that. I can't just have one. I can't casually drink. Like there's, you know, there's normal drinkers, people that can just have a beer and be good. And yeah. I just, I can't do that. 
Yeah, that's me. I'm that person also. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And well, and it's like when I would, I used to drink, I think I've almost not been completely, completely sober. Like once in a while on like holiday, I'll have like a glass of wine. Yeah. But I can't have more than that because then I do get out of control. Yeah. But there was like a night where we went out and it was just supposed to be kind of like a I don't know. It wasn't like a party, but it was like a get together, right? Like family and stuff. And it got out of control and all this stuff happened. So me and my husband decided like enough's enough. Like we have to get sober. And now when I look back at that, it was always just me like, oh, I'm bored. So I'm going to drink. Like it literally was just like a boredom thing for me. But I also grew up, my mom, she's actually going into rehab this morning she went to rehab at nine o'clock this morning really yes she um I have alcoholism goes just back in my family both sides very far um my grandma she actually passed away from being an alcoholic and now my mom because how you said if you keep doing this like it's going to kill you I don't think people realize how true that really is yeah because like I watched it happen to my grandma and I'm slowly was slowly watching it happen to my mom and she quit cold turkey the other day and she's been drinking for so long that it actually sent her into a seizure and she had like put herself in the ICU and but she finally decided to go to rehab so oh my gosh well I mean that's huge deciding yeah. to do that. and it's just well and that's where I was getting with that sorry is that like people like you it amazes me and it's the amount of discipline you have to just quit by yourself like amazes me so that's really cool (laughs) thank you I know it's just I I think about that because people say that to me and I just I don't know how or why like I'm like I was saying that day I was just drinking and drinking and then it just something just came over me and I'm like what the hell am I doing and I can't explain it but (laughs) it happened and then once I really started reading and like digging deep into what alcohol actually is and like what it does to you, I'm like, holy shit, why do we do this to ourselves? It's just straight up poison. It's crazy. Yeah. And it, it's seriously like it eats at your brain too. My grandma, um, she developed dementia, they said, and it was because of that, because I honestly don't know the scientific name, <laughs> but there's a part in your brain yeah. Where if you drink and drink and drink, it literally like deteriorates that part of your brain. Yeah. It's, which it, is like, it deteriorates so many different parts of your body when you're oh, drinking every day. And yeah, the like instant effects that I felt basically from not drinking, um, it's just wild. Like the first week of not after drinking every day for 10 months straight, basically, and then you don't drink for a week or even a few days, like my skin, my energy, my sleep, my thoughts, like everything was just so drastically different that I was like, wow, this is like, that's how I felt when I was drinking. And this is how I feel when I'm not like you, I don't ever want to go back to that. Right. Did you notice at first, like, did you crave it at all? Or did you have a hard time? Yeah. Or were you just like done? Yeah, I mean, kind of both. Like, I was just done because I just, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the type of, like, my personality. But, like, when I want something, 
or I want to do something or accomplish something like I'm going to do it and so I'm like I'm not drinking anymore so I'm like I can't go back on that now because I said that I'm not going to but at the same time yeah like it, it was like such a habit every night that I had to fully like make this whole like new routine after I put the kids to bed of things that I did yeah you have to change the way you do things because you automatically are like oh kids are in bed let's go grab a beer and now you're like what am I supposed to do with myself (laughs) yeah so I had to like reprogram everything and I still I mean it's been over six months and I still like have cravings for Like we went out to Buffalo Wild Wings a couple weekends ago to eat lunch. And my husband was looking at the beer menu. He's like, which one of these would I like, you know? And I don't, I do not expect anyone to like cater to me because I'm sober and like not drink in front of me or anything like that. Like it's not anybody else's issue. It's mine. See, and I was going to ask you if you have a hard time, like if your husband will get a beer or somebody else around you, if that, if that affects you at all. No, I mean, not it does yeah but it's like an internal thing because like I'm reading this beer menu like showing him like oh you'd probably like this one like obviously I'm the the beer expert so he's asking me (laughs) (laughs) and but like my mouth is like watering reading this list of like IPAs and I'm like okay I can't read that anymore but I don't like that happens like I'm like oh I would love to just like have a beer but at the same time at the exact same time I'm also like but I don't want that at all yeah because I know what that leads to like I just that's not my path anymore but I still like see it and like want it but it's I guess it is just like a self-control like training your mind and stuff like I don't want that even though you do Yes, I know exactly. (laughs) Like, and with me, it was more like I would drink because I was a bartender. I lived in Nevada. Like, I I don't know. You you know a lot of Nevada people, but it's just a regular thing to drink a lot in Nevada. None of the bars ever close. Like, it's just, that's how I grew up. And so it was just a normal thing for me. And so when I quit drinking, like... (laughs) It would almost just be like brushing my teeth. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I got to find something else to do. Yes, exactly. I started doing a whole skincare routine every night because I used to like never wash my makeup off because I would get drunk. So I would just go to bed. But girl, I was the same way. Yeah. Now I've got this whole skincare routine because I had to put like a new, new habits in place to replace drinking. So I would like make tea and then do my whole skincare and then get in bed and read about how horrible alcohol is and like I just I had to do this whole new thing and train my brain and my body to not not want that anymore yeah mindset is truly everything and like I talk about my grief journey a lot and that's truly even just with grief is what I've had to do is like put in place small habits and routines because it, your your brain I feel like when you've been through things like that or you are on like a sobriety journey like you need almost just like a schedule like you need <sighs> structure in your life yeah you do and then if you don't stick to it it's like almost like not chaos but it's like you can't you can't I don't know you you like want to fall back into what you used to do if you're not sticking to like these new habits. And that's so hard to do and to maintain. But if you don't, then 
it's not going to be good. Like you're going to slip back into what you used to do, which is not what you want to do. Right. And I feel like one of the things I've really learned is it's because what we were doing was easy and it was, it was comfortable for us. Oh yeah, for sure. And so you grow so used to coping that way and just dealing with it. And you know that that's going to take it away. You're like, I'm going to have that beer and that anxiety and how I feel at this moment is just going to be gone. Yeah. And then what you don't think about is it's gone for a little while. And then you wake up at 3 a.m. with your heart racing and instantly back times 10. Yeah. And then you have, (laughs) what is it? Natalie calls it anxiety. Anxiety. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's real. It's a real thing. (laughs) Yes. But I don't know. I think it's amazing that you have done this on your own and it's been six months. And from what I've seen, you have really influenced quite a few girls that I personally talk to, to get on their own sobriety journey. And it's really inspiring. Thank you. And I honestly, like anybody, like my followers or, you know, like Natalie or Um, I know there's a few girls that I've talked to that are like, you inspired me to do this. And I've been sober for, you know, however long it is. And it's just like, I don't know that weird isn't the word. I guess it's just like humbling. Like, how am I helping people by just sharing? And I was so scared to share that I was sober and like why I was sober and all of that. And then it's like, but I help, I helped people. Like, (laughs) that's really like try to convince ourselves that nobody else is doing this or like we're the only person you know and then yeah you come out about it you're like oh my goodness like normal everyday people go through these things right (laughs) and like you don't even realize how common it is yeah it's very common until you start talking about it and then people are like oh yeah me too like I related with your story so much that I decided to get sober and I'm like oh my are you serious? That's yep. amazing. Yeah, right. And I think it's even like in you, because you're an influencer and you have uh, YouTube and being a mom, like all of those things, I think scare people to come out and be like, I have to get sober because you yeah. feel as if people are going to judge you, but it just helps other moms and other people realize like, Oh shit, I can do this. Like, yeah. And I was, I was, I was, I was so hesitant and so nervous to talk about it because, you know, when you are in the influencer world, people that people love to hate you, um, for any little thing. And obviously that's like a big thing, um, for anyone to grab onto and, you know, turn it into whatever version (laughs) they want to make it out to be. Um, but what outweighs that is the fact that, I've, you know, quote, influenced um, other people to take care of themselves and to get sober too. And um, obviously, these people that say that I've helped them felt like they had a problem also. So the fact that they like recognize that from my story, and then took action, I'm just like, that is seriously so amazing. It is. It's, it's badass. Yeah. (laughs) It's cool. Yeah. Um, so if somebody came to you and needed advice to say, like, to get sober, like, what is something you would tell them? Um, I mean, it's different for every single person because everybody's brain is wired differently and everybody, like, handles things differently. But what so worked true. for me 
And what I have told a lot of people, like when they ask me that question, because people do ask me that question is to get the first step is just if you think you have a drinking problem, then you do. Like if you have that thought, if you're Googling, like, do I have a drinking problem? You do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, so, um, the first thing is to get that book that I was talking about. Um, I mean, I just bought it off Amazon. It's called alcohol is shit. And that book, it, that book changed my whole entire mindset on everything. And then also, um, this, the other one is called this naked mind. They also have a podcast, I think. Um, but I just read those and highlighted everything I could and just really dug deep into what alcohol does to your body. Even if you have one drink a day or four drinks a week or whatever, just like really understanding that, um, I think is the first step and it's important, even if you're still drinking while you're reading these books. Um, and like just getting that information and knowledge about what alcohol really is and how it like affects your body. Yeah. See, that's kind of what blows my yeah. mind too. Cause we're just like casually. <laughs> yeah. And also like the media too, like every single movie you watch, every show you watch, every ad, every billboard, every, you know, you know, for, for the most part, like alcohol is just so glamorized. Um, oh, yeah. Even that's what I was gonna say, like the Super Bowl that just passed, like every other ad is just alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. <laughs> and every, every single show. I mean, once you oh, yeah. really, once you really start thinking about it, everything you watch, you're going to notice like it's like, um, alcohol is a crutch for every single emotion. If you had an amazing day and you got a promotion at work, we're going to pop a bottle. If you had a hard day and your kids stressed you out, we're going to, we're going to pop a bottle. Like every single emotion is celebrated with alcohol. Yep. And so that's just programmed into us that that's what you do. Yeah. That's what's it's, it's acceptable. Yeah. That's, it's just totally normal. But then when you, when you start to understand that, you're poisoning yourself even with just you know a couple drinks a week or whatever um it really really is eye-opening so I that's what I recommend to people when they're like how do I how do I get started on this I'm like research what alcohol does to you read these books are what helped me um and you know Natalie also I know she was she's really open about her sobriety journey that she read that book too and she said that it that's what really, really opened her eyes and changed everything for her also. And it's, it's just a really good read because the way it's written and it's very like relatable, the guy that wrote it, his story, I don't know, I've read it like three times, four times now. So okay, I think I really need to read this book. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I'm going to order it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have one more question for you. So yeah. once you did quit drinking and like as you've been coping with the grief from losing your stepdad, how do you, how do you now cope with your grief and like that type of stuff now that you're not drinking? Um, well, pretty much just like talking about it with my family, like my kids and my husband for the most part. And my friends like knew my stepdad, not really like, um, I don't know. We pretty much just talk about, about him like every day like oh Papa Keith would love that or you know just keeping okay. him you guys like, like celebrate his like his memory basically like what yeah. you guys did with him and things like that 
Yeah. And, you know, just every, every day he's part of our conversation and he will like always be part of our life, even though he's not here anymore. There's so many things that we do and, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, he was such an important person in my life for basically my entire life and my kids' lives who get very involved Papa. And so that, that has been the best way for me to deal with it. Um, I still have my moments, obviously, you know, in my head and all of that, like so many questions that are just forever going to be unanswered. And then also like this, the trial that we have coming up. Um, Oh yeah. Cause you guys are still dealing with all of that too. Yeah. Because there's just, there's a lot to it that I like, it, it really sucks that I can't like open up about it and talk about it because it would be helpful if I could, but just like talking with my mom about it and then just also seeing my mom and like how resilient she is and how like incredible she's been through this whole process of losing her husband and having this traumatic you know surgery from the accident being an accident like just seeing her as go through all of that and like the way that she's handled it has been super inspiring to me um so that helps too and just instead of drinking really just talking <laughs> talking, talking about it yes <laughs> talking it about seems it to me like you guys just you still share him you know what I mean and you keep yeah. him alive by doing that and I I think that's a beautiful thing that you do that with your children too because you see a lot of the time when people lose family members it's like a hush hush it hurts too much we don't want to talk about it anymore. yes and yeah. so seeing that it just makes my heart happy because keeping him alive in those memories and your children and things like that like they'll remember that and that's yes. that's very special yes and my mom loves that like every time you know she's around the kids are like you know, talking about Papa Keith and she loves that. She loves talking about memories and looking at pictures and pulling up videos, old videos on Facebook of him and the kids. And it's not like a, okay, that's enough. That's like, okay, I'm sad about it now. Like it's, we can talk about him as much as you want to, you know? Yeah. And, and everybody does grieve differently. And, and that's, and that's like how we are in our house. We, we talk about Cam all the time as if, yeah, he's here. And so I feel like that just really helps. It just helps you heal your soul. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does, really does. Because I would, I would rather what you said, everybody grieves differently, but for me, and I can, I can tell with my kids too, um, just talking about him and, you know, for the day that he died, I, when I left my house, there was this huge rainbow, like over our neighborhood. And mm-hmm we see these rainbow, my mom all the time, she'll send me pictures of rainbows and she's like, hi Keith. You know, like that's just like our yeah. thing now. Yeah. And so my daughter is, she wanted a rainbow painted on her bedroom wall. So of course I painted a rainbow on her bedroom wall. Like any, like she's constantly drawing rainbows. So, and you know, talking to, we see rainbows everywhere and she's like, oh, that's, that's Papa Keith saying hi or whatever. And so it's just like a constant, anything and everything that reminds us of him, we're going to talk about it. And I think that is super therapeutic for my whole family. Oh, yeah. And that's awesome, too. Because and then that teaches your children, too, if if they go through something like that, when they're older, they're going to yeah. be able to express that in a way that they know is going to help them. Yeah. And so that's awesome. I agree. All right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to share or touch on? I don't. 
I don't think so. We taught, we covered a lot. <laughs> we did. Thank you so much. Like this was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I am actually very excited to get a hold of your mom. And I'm, I think it's going to be good. I'm going to have her come on here. That'll yeah, be I awesome. did tell her. I told her that I uh, gave you her info, and she said that she would love that. So, oh, that's amazing. Okay, I'm very <laughs> excited for that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, I made some graphics last night, so I'll send those over to you if you want to share them. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can share those. I and then, totally will. Um, this should be up. I think I was going to have it up by one on Friday. Okay. So it'll be one my time. So it would be. Are you ahead or behind? I can't even remember. Mm. What time is it where you are? It's 10 there, right? It's 10. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, it'll be like eight in the morning, your time. That's all right. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.